eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. All right. Josh Jacobs, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me, man. This is uh, episode two. So what we're doing is we're going around the league. Um, kind of before the season starts and, and giving everyone a chance to uh, kind of state their case for their for their team. Um, so earlier today, we, we talked um, with a fan of the Miami Marlins. And then, you know, today's a big day for the Cardinals, especially after this afternoon. You guys, um, you know, you guys are signing some big, big names that would have been huge about eight years ago so this is another <laughs> you guys uh signed brandon crawford today so i guess we can start with that man uh feel free to just riff and rant about the off season and um we'll, we'll get into more details but um that's like the most breaking news that happened like two hours ago you guys signed yeah. brandon crawford yeah the brandon crawford one's really interesting because on the surface like he's a big name but obviously he hasn't he had put together that was it 2019 he was top four in the mvp voting so like not that yeah, long ago yeah. that he was really good, but last year he was awful. Um, but it's more of a depth signing for the Cardinals because they expect Mason Wynn to be their starting shortstop opening day. Tommy Edmond was supposed to be insurance there. He plays center field, but he's a guy that could have filled mm-hmm. in, but he might not be ready opening day now. And so the Cardinals don't really have depth below Mason Wynn. So as things currently stand, Brandon Crawford shouldn't be playing more than once or twice a week for them. Right. If that hap- if it if ends up being more than that, then I have major issues with it. But if it's a depth move, okay, that's fine. Yeah. That's a great – it's also a great guy to have 
uh, on the roster, especially with a guy like um, Mason Wynn coming in, who's extremely yeah. exciting to watch. Um, like I'm pretty sure uh, one of the only guys with an 80 grade arm from the infield, um, yeah. which is a wild tool to have, but a fun one to watch. Um, he's re- yeah, he's a he's super exciting guy. Throws. Yeah, multiple throws over 100 miles an hour from shortstop. And so the Great, big thing for crazy. him is just containing himself. And like he, he sometimes yeah. can get a little erratic with it, but he's starting to learn like I don't need to unleash it every single time. I only need to do mm-hmm. it when it's needed. But your point he's about the clubhouse. The like, yeah. Yeah. And like Brandon Crawford, you have Matt Carpenter, Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson. Like it's been a big point for the Cardinals front office this offseason to bring in veterans that can reshape the clubhouse. Nolan Arnado talked about a few weeks ago. He felt like the clubhouse was maybe a little young, which that take itself was kind of weird. But I think the overall mm-hmm. thing was just that when things were going poorly, Nolan and Paul Goldschmidt just didn't really feel like they could step up and lead the clubhouse because they were struggling too. And so it helps them to have some other right. veterans that can kind of control the clubhouse because most of their core is young, especially on the position player side. Yeah, for sure. And it, it uh, this is something we were talking about earlier regarding the Miami Marlins, and it's kind of this opposite thing of like you have this young core and this electric core that's like you hope someone can kind of break out, but there's there's not that real veteran presence. And this is almost like a 180 of like this is all veteran presence, which I don't think is a bad thing at all. I, I know there's this recurring bit online, especially of like, this would have been the greatest team. This is a great team for 2012. And it's like, yeah. it's look, man, it's like, I, I get it. But also you got guys like Sonny Gray, you got Lance Lynn, who's a veteran presence and guys that like, even if they're okay on the field, it's like they're eating up innings. They know yeah. what they're doing. And even if you do, you know, the ebb and flow of 162 game season, it does matter when you have guys like that, who've been through it on good teams, bad teams, uh, no matter what, but you know, I know it was a tough replacement with Wainwright to get a guy who could throw a hundred innings under a eight ERA. So hopefully someone could do that. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, that's, that's the point. I think people, a lot of people are missing. It's just how bad the back end the Cardinals bullpen or rotation was last year. Mm-hmm. I think they're uh, four and five, or they had a like five or six guys combined for sixty starts in the four and five spots last year. In between the sixty starts they made, they only had eleven quality starts. So they had oh guys that were consistently <laughs> only going three or four innings, giving up five runs. It's like you you just can't be a winning team that way. It destroys the bullpen. It kills the confidence, the offense. So like right. Lance Lynn. Kyle Gibson, they're not going to win you playoff games, but they could be the stabilizers in a regular season rotation. And the strength of this team should be the offense. So the offense should For carry sure. them. It For should sure. score, like they should be aiming to score five, six runs a game. And then you're from your starter, you're hoping you get six, seven innings sometimes with three runs. And if that's what they get, the bullpen's a lot stronger than it was last year, too. So again, mm-hmm. like they have a lot of work to do if they want to be a true contender in the playoffs, but I could see it. Like this team underperformed last year too. It's not. I don't think they're a team that pl- that should have been seventy one wins. They had some major flaws that caused that. But then they're selling at the deadline. Their offense dropped off in the second half. They just kind of gave up on the season. They're mm-hmm. more talented than seventy one wins, and they shored up some of their holes. And then they do have a lot of young players on this roster who could take steps forward. That's a lot of coulds, but it almost felt like everything that could go wrong went wrong for the Cardinals last year. And so even if just not everything goes wrong, this team is already a lot better internally, let alone some of the incremental uh, improvements they made. Now, would you have, like, a Cardinal fans love to have seen them do two frontline starters instead of just Sonny Gray? Yeah, like, Steve Steve and Matt (laughs) are probably their second most talented starter, which is... 
mm-hmm. not an ideal place to be in. But I mean, it's also the Cardinals. They don't really make those big swings very often. And I think they're really banking on all this young talent that's coming up. Right. And it is like, especially when you say the young talent, it's, there's a lot of depth here too with the, with kind of the age gaps in, in within the, the 40 man or whoever's, you know, we assume is going to make the 40 man here, but like yeah. Mason Wynn, someone we already talked about Jordan Walker being a roster guy this year, not really like a platoon guy or whatever it is, you know, um, and watching those guys get a real opportunity throughout a, a full season to get some playing time and establish themselves um, sure. along with like, if you go through the roster for the St. Louis Cardinals right now, it's like, it's an impressive roster. Like it's a, it's you're absolutely right. Like it's a, it's a good team this year and you know, kind of everything that went wrong last year uh, that could go wrong last year went wrong or whatever, but with the depth and the veterans and this year, I'm excited to watch them. Um, but do you have something that you're like most excited for? Like whether it's a new guy or, um, you know, just something to switch up from last year, something you're excited about, you know, moving into the regular season here. Yeah. I'd say year two of Jordan Walker is a big deal. Um, when he mm-hmm. came up, he had that historic winning or hitting streak, but he had a right. 60% ground ball rate. Like that was a problem. So they sent him down to AAA for a month, which was unpopular. But when he came back up, he had a 125 WRC plus the rest of the year. I think down the stretch, the day they called Mason went up, which is one of his best friends in the entire world. He took off was like a 135 WRC plus guy. Like he has what it takes. He was just terrible defensively last year. It was so sure. bad. But he <laughs> yeah. also just started playing outfield six months before for that so like there's some weird context that's needed for all that so i'd say like jordan walker headlines the young youth movement they they only got 90 games out of brendan donovan last year who's an important part of the roster um they barely had any of their young guys play 120 or more games like new bar only played 115 i believe gorman was right around there as well walker was right around there so mm-hmm. i think health is a big deal for this team if this lineup can remain healthy it has the potential to be a top five unit in baseball before sure. Brendan Donovan's season-ending injury and they started trading guys off at the trade deadline, they ranked top seven in almost every statistical category. And that was with Nolan Arenado in a down year. Paul Goldschmidt not being himself. Wilson Contreras didn't really catch on to the second half. So there's a lot of things that indicate they could be a lot better than they are. But at the same time, you can't play the Quids game. Like, this is the year they have to prove it on the field. Yeah, this is a make-or-break year. Also, I'm, I'm curious as to how, uh, you know, someone like Wilson Contreras this year will, will fare with yachty in the in the front office like having someone like that in the baseball operations game is you know i don't know the the detail the ins and outs of you know front office stuff but seems like a guy who has some pull and some weight there and especially you know dropping down on the field and you know maybe talking to some of those guys or working with some of those guys you see because it's already an offensive powerhouse so it's like defensively who knows what could happen with with something like that but that seems like a very good addition to to the front office staff there. Yeah, Contreras has already made some adjustments this offseason. He's catching off of one knee now. He's working his framing a lot. So you don't, you're they're not expecting him to come in and be Yachty or Molina behind the plate now. Of but course. you also shouldn't see this controversy like there was last year. They do have Yvonne Herrera, who was just destroying the Caribbean series recently and has been killing mm-hmm. in spring training so far. So they will have more of a split. But like Wilson started off the year terrible defensively, awful offensively at the plate. And then from July on the rest of the year, he was top five in all of baseball in almost every statistical category, OPS slug average on base percentage. Mm -hmm. Like he was on fire. So he's a guy that he took a little bit of time to get comfortable in St. Louis. I think there's a narrative that it was already a bad signing, which the Cardinals were definitely making it look like that in May. It was was (laughs) a train wreck, but he's really, he's really coming to his own. And so, 
the the real question will be how much does Yadi want to be a part of the club? He has right. managing jobs in Puerto Rico. He owns a basketball team there as well. So he likes to kind of do his own thing. Um, but the the what they've communicated so far is he'll learn a little bit of the front office side of things because he's interested in that. But then he'll work with the catchers a lot. He'll dress for game day. Sometimes it'd be in the dugout with Ollie Marmol. That's something he's really wanted. Sure. But with that too, people are going to be watching that dynamic because the Cardinals start slow. Fans are already calling for Yachty to be the manager of the team. Of course. Cool. Of Just course. talked about how he wants to get into managing now, too. So right. I like Ollie as a manager. I actually think he's uh, like has the intangibles to be a good manager, but coming off a season like the Cardinals just had, where they hadn't had a losing season like that since ni- in the 1990s. It had been almost 30 mm-hmm. years since they've been that bad. He's on, he's on the hot seat, and this is the last year of his contract. Yachty's in the wings. You can see the breadcrumbs. I was uh, We asked John Mazalik about this at their Cardinals annual winter warm-up, and he left the door open. He like Someone basically asked, like, it looks bad. Like, is there, an, is there an opportunity here for Yachty to take the job? And he goes, well, I don't think it'll be a problem, but we'll see. And it's like, well, that's not really. He's like, I, really I can't, he's like, I can't say no to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that'll yeah. be something that's where that definitely is worth watching. Yeah, I uh, I could definitely see that becoming a, a very big talking point, especially like you said, if they don't get off to a hot start. And it is so funny with the longest professional sports season to, especially if someone, I don't really have, this is why we're doing this because like I, I don't really have a, a team that I, you know, I live in Seattle. I love watching the Mariners here. Um, I want yeah. them to win so bad, but I'm not a diehard fan um, mm. and I don't really have allegiance to one team, but it is always yeah. interesting watching a team with expectations at the beginning of a year and it might not start off great. And then everyone just, they're like red flags, put them up. Like we got to change the manager. And it's like, guys, just (laughs) take a breath here. Let's relax. Um, and it's tough because sometimes like you just need to relax but last year it's like in beginning of may and i'm like hey relax it'll be fine and then july yeah. comes around and they're selling so sometimes it does but i mean the Cardinals yeah. dug themselves a historically bad hole they were 10 and 24 to start the year like that's just you can't yeah. like they and, and it's the interesting part about a team with expectations they didn't understand how to handle losing they didn't know how to rally the mm-hmm. clubhouse they're all looking at each other like we're not supposed to be here and they just kept digging a hole right. deeper and deeper and deeper so you would hope that this year, especially with the veterans in the clubhouse and experiencing a tumultuous year like that, that that's not mm-hmm. the, the thing's going to happen. But you're right. Like if they start, they have a really tough schedule to start. They open against L.A. Uh, then they have the Padres, they have the Phillies. They have a really tough schedule mm-hmm. to open the year. So they could be under 500 after 15, 20 games. And yeah, the narratives will start immediately. Narratives start immediately for sure. And it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, from all sides, how that goes. But I mean, like you said, you had a, a really down year last year, um, especially for expectations. And I think with a team like this this year, at least from my viewpoint and historically, like you said, since the 90s, last year was the worst year that the St. Louis Cardinals have had. And it is a team that even when they're down, historically, they've bounced back. And I think they have a a, a way of winning. And it's, you know, throughout the decades, they've they've always been been able to bounce back and, and get themselves back up to the top. But to, to kind of pivot from this, um, who are, who do you view in the National League Central this year as, as probably the biggest threat? Because it, it is something where it's like, you know, I'm not trying to start trash talk, but, you know, <laughs> everyone's everyone's going to have to see someone that they're like, if we're the team, if we're the team to beat, if we're not the team to beat, who is the team to beat? And who's who's that going to be for you guys this year? 
Yeah, it's a tough one. I if when people ask me this, I usually say it's kind of a three horse race. I could see any of the Cardinals, Cincinnati Reds, or Chicago Cubs winning the division. I think the sure. Brewers have just taken too far of a step back. You look at what their opening day rotation will look like this year, and it's brutal. And the rota- mm-hmm. they're they've built a better lineup, but it's just not good enough to handle that rotation. And the Pirates, I mean, I, they're exciting, they're young. I think they'll be better, but I just think it's too early. If I had to pick like uh like that's the team I'm most scared of though, it's the Reds because I think they made the some Reds really are interesting nasty. Pitching. Yeah, they got Frankie Montas over the offseason. They mm-hmm. had some other interesting starters. And then just like top prospect after top prospect in that lineup. Ellie De La Cruz, right. the hype seemed to be a little too soon. People were like two weeks sure. in the season calling him one of the top 15 players in baseball ends up having like a sub 700 OPS, like right. a little too, a little too quick on the hype. But I mean, a guy who is also player. electric too, though, where they're like, he's the next, the, he, he's the goat and then it's slow start and they're just like all right not anymore but it's like that's still gonna be a real threat especially if you give them yeah. enough time hopefully but for sure um I, I also agree i think the cincinnati reds are one of those kind of like sleeper teams that especially in the nl central i don't know if you feel this way but uh i mean obviously when it comes to major league baseball you know the coastal divisions like you know, National League West, you got the Dodgers and the Giants, the huge market teams. And yeah. I sometimes feel like the those central leagues get kind of left out of the 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 thought process for a lot of people and they forget that, you know, the Reds or the Cardinals or the Cubs are like a legitimate threat pretty deep into yeah. the playoffs. Um and I think this year I feel like it's gonna be a year where we see a run from from someone. Yeah, I think so too. But it also has been a while since the NL Central's made noise in the playoffs. I think it might be 2019 yep. when the Cardinals made the NLCS is the last time any NLCS team has won a playoff series. I think. I think the Brewers have been bounced every time. The Cardinals have been bounced every time they've made it since then. Um, but I do think like you look at the top process or systems in all of baseball, the Brewers, the Reds, and the Cubs all rank within the top ten. So they've got young right. talent coming. The Cubs just got Bellinger back on a pretty good deal. Yeah. Um, you would think they would spend more than they have, but they kind of were they came out swinging with Craig Council and didn't add as much. So yeah, yeah, I do think the NL Central gets forgotten, but in a lot of ways too, it kind of feels like some team just kind of has to win the division and it doesn't feel like you're going to have a 95 100 game winner in this division it's going to be like 88 89 wins maybe 90 wins wins the division Mm -hmm. um but also trade deadline moves happen if they're in contention like the past few deadlines the cardinals have had to go out and add number four and five starters because they've just keep running into this issue where they haven't had enough innings and so maybe a team that has those like patches filled for once can actually be aggressive at the deadline and swing a little bit higher for once. I could totally see the Reds doing that. Uh, the Cubs, I could see being aggressive. So right now on paper, I think it's a bunch of 85 to 89 win teams, mm-hmm. but one of them could get aggressive and take another step forward or the untalent pops off. Yeah. How do you feel about, uh, I've, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but uh, one of the greatest players to ever play baseball, Matt Carpenter back in St. Louis this year. <laughs> <laughs> Oh <laughs> man, <laughs> yeah, he just that Yankees run was crazy, and he had a stretch of the Cardinals Insane. too, where he was just hitting bomb after bomb after yeah, yeah. a little bit. So, um, it's fun. He's a good clubhouse guy. Nolan and right. I and Paul Goldschmidt both pushed to have him be signed. The mm-hmm. issue that I kind of have with him and Brandon Crawford both be on the roster now is that both of those guys are gonna be on the roster. It's unless they are really right. bad, I'm not gonna cut them. And then you have a backup catcher. And then you need a backup center fielder. So Dylan Carlson will make, so you don't really have room for like a Victor Scott or a Thomas JC, Alex Burleson, some of these guys that the Cardinals are excited about. It's starting to look like there's not really a place for them. So Mm -hmm. like, I don't expect Carpenter to get more than, 
three like I, if he got 300 at bats this year i'd be shocked i think mm-hmm. he's like 200 or less at bats i think brandon crawford fills in when needed but you're, they're kind of restricting and they've done this the past couple of years where they just kind of like they don't give the young guys the opportunities to fill backfill those innings um, on the mm-hmm. pitching side or to backfill those at bats. So, but the but in general, I think Carpenter's great for the clubhouse. Um, and we'll good see. Club. It's, it seems like a lot of good clubhouse guys this year, and we'll see how yeah. it translates to you know younger talent coming up and getting a shot. But um, for sure, yeah. Before we before we close it out here, um, I did want to bring up because. I like to talk pitching. I'm yeah. a former pitcher, so that's kind of just, that's always when I'm looking at signings and how yeah. a team's going to be. I always put offense on the back end, and then I'm, I'll look at. I was doing that with the Cardinals earlier today before this interview, and then I was like, yeah. "Oh wow, that's a that's a potent offense for sure." Even if they are like some older guys, but um, uh, a bullpen guy, Keenan Middleton, being yeah, but Keenan Middleton coming to the Cardinals yeah. this year. Uh, that's a guy where like he was. He's been in Seattle. He was. Um, on the Yankees, the White Sox, and a couple teams. And it's a guy where I don't know if we've really fully seen him flourish, but I would love to see it this year on the Cardinals because uh, he's an electric guy and seems like a great clubhouse guy as well. But um, always really liked watching him on the mound. So uh, hopefully that's a guy for you guys this year. But I don't know how the fans feel about him. Um, I know he's outspoken and you know mm-hmm. hasn't been super consistent, but uh, seems like a guy that, is great to get. Yeah, I'd say a lot of, um, especially more analytically driven fans have been pretty excited about him. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, he he stopped throwing the fastball as much and started throwing his slider and change it more. And that's when he started to see incredible results at the end of the mm-hmm. White Sox. And then I think the Yankees, he had a sub two ERA. His whiff rate was like over 30% on two of his pitches, I believe. So like he's got some stuff. Kittredge mm-hmm. is another guy. So uh, an underlying thing the Cardinals did this offseason is they brought in Heim Bloom, who was overseeing the Red Sox baseball operations, but he's also yep. the guy that is like kind of like seen as the guy who kind of helped the Rays get to this point where they're the pitching development, like sure. the top of baseball at that. So Bloom actually for the relievers they brought in have been connected to Heim Bloom in the past. He's drafted them or traded for them or signed them at some point in his career. And so you've already seen his impact on the Cardinals a few years ago went and did this whole revamp to their hitting philosophy. And now you're seeing young guys like Jordan Walker, Brendan Donovan, Nolan mm-hmm. Gorman come up, but they lagged hard on the pitching side of things. So that's why a Bloom's coming in and he might be the next president of baseball operations. John Mosaic has two years left and he's going to step away from it. So there's a little bit of that. But I think when you look at the bullpen, there's a lot of really interesting arms that um, very few of them are proven outside of Helsley. I'd say Middleton's somewhat proven in Kittredge. Right, right. A lot of young guys, you're like, oh, we, they've got good stuff. We'll see. And then on the rotation, it's like, well, outside of Sunny Gray, none of these guys are going to pop off and be incredible, but they're sure. consistent. So you got you, you at least know what you're getting let's, there. The bullpen is like, for some career be, years from these guys. <laughs> exactly. And then bullpen, you're like, it could be top 10. You've got like nasty stuff, but also those guys could go down with arm injuries or they could. I don't know, just they're not locating their stuff and it's a mess. So the bullpen, I think, is the biggest X factor where it could be a strength of the team or it could be a weakness. It's really hard to tell right now. Right. Very well said. Um, I appreciate you coming on today. I do want to wrap this up by giving you the floor here, even though you've done an incredible job at and kind of already answering this question. Um, but in a succinct manner, Josh Jacobs, state your case for the 2024 St. Louis Cardinals. 
2024 will be marked by the Cardinals rebounding from the sins of 2023 while also <laughs> having new, exciting, young talent coming in who are playing consistently. And then you still have superstars like Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Wilson Contreras in the mix. So if the offense is hitting its potential and injuries are not a huge issue for this club, they will slug their way into the postseason. And the thing that will define if they can be anything more than a team that sneaks in will be if they're aggressive at the deadline, adding more pitching. Very well said. I'm excited to watch the Cardinals. I think uh, St. Louis playoff baseball is one of the most fun to watch. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping for a nice run from them. I'm excited to watch. Uh, excited to watch them play this year. But uh, thanks for coming on today. Nice. If you want to plug any of your stuff, your Twitter, your podcasts, uh, any anything that you want to plug, feel free uh, to shout yeah. it out there and 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 give it a go. Yeah, especially if you're a Cardinal fan, Josh, J-A-C-O-M-L-B on Twitter, always covering stuff over there for the blog site, Redbird Rants and that. And then we have the new news podcast where we consistently have different Cardinal players, prospects, or people covering the team on to talk Cardinal baseball. So having a fun season so far, off season so far, ready for the 2024 season. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'll be looking forward to listening to other people give their takes on their teams. Absolutely, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. And this is uh, Baseball Isn't Boring. My name is Reese Green. You can find me on on Instagram, Reese.Green, um, and on Twitter, Reese J. Green. And then make sure to download, uh, share, like all the podcast stuff, you know, with Baseball Isn't Boring. But once again, Josh, appreciate you, man. Thanks for uh, coming on, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.